Thank you for choosing Tox News, your only source into civil unrest and anti-kettling measures. I'm your host, Narls Newskowski, not my real name. But let it ring. We got stuff today. Two video segments, and of course a wonderful weekly update from Media Watch. But of course, I like to begin the podcast now, starting with a Pledge of Allegiance. And it goes to a little something like this. I pledge allegiance to liberty and justice for all. That's it. That's the whole that's the whole pledge. So let's dive right into it. Now that the pledge is out of the way, we have the weekly update from Militia Watch. March 15th edition. Um, and it reads, Beware the Ides of March. This week we dive into some of the news about the following. One, neo-Nazi arrested on illegal possession of a firearm seems to think old crimes don't count. Two, Wolverine's informant says he got involved via Facebook. Three, DOJ charges too soon. Wait. Uh, really? Okay. D- I'm just going to read it as is. DOG- DOJ charges too soon to soon target. Okay. One more time. This is the sentence is weird for me, and I am flubbing it professionally. So DOJ charges to soon target Oath Keepers more aggressively. There we go. Uh, and then finally, Bundy hints at equating mask mandate protest to a revolutionary struggle. Cool. So we begin with legal proceedings. It says Palt Gypsy Crusader Miller, that's his nickname, I guess, was arrested over gun charges. Boogaloo adherent also pleads guilty for the same. Paul Miller, the neo-Nazi known as Gypsy Crusader, was arrested this past week in Florida for being a convicted felon in possession of a firearm. This charge could lead to a maximum penalty of 10 years in prison. Miller has a history of pointing, uh, pointing his followers to harass targets such as interracial couples, black people, and Jews. He waived his Miranda rights and talked to the police willingly. The court proceedings so far have been a list of the numerous violent and aggressive things Miller has said, done, or encouraged his followers to do. Glad mainstream media is keeping up to date on that. Uh, Frank William Roberts... Robertson Perry, a Boogaloo adherent from near Baltimore, pleaded guilty to illegal possession of a firearm by a convicted felon this past week, as well alongside uh, the Gypsy Crusaders. He asked his girlfriend to purchase a lower receiver for an AR-15 style automatic semi-automatic rifle, then bought an assortment of accessories for the firearm online. Jop Willem Lidgebers, the Dutch Boogaloo adherent arrested last week, is still receiving cash payments from followers as he sits in federal detention. So there's a couple of updates on a few actors of two Boogaloo, one Dutch, one American, and the other of um, neo-Nazi persuasion. So more on that as the stories develop, I'm sure. Um, we then have Michigan Wolverine Watchman informant Dan testifies. This past week, a confidential informant for the FBI known as Dan testified in the Wolverine Watchman case regarding the kidnapping plot aimed at Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. He said in a statement that Facebook is what led him to the plot. Given Facebook's decade plus tenure of allowing a healthy militia ecosystem on their platform, this isn't particularly surprising. And I agree. I agree. Even the Boogaloo movement had a good amount of organizing on Facebook. And speaking of 
organizing on Facebook, Kenosha guards Rittenhouse trial delayed at least seven months. And if you don't get that reference, that's because Kyle Rittenhouse found Kenosha guard on Facebook community groups webpage. And that's how he ended up in Kenosha, Wisconsin, even though he hailed from Illinois and he shot three protesters that night. So shouts out to Facebook for bringing communities together. Um, after an agreement between the prosecution and the defense, the trial of alleged teenage shooter Kyle Rittenhouse was pushed back at least seven months to allow for lawyers to build to better build their cases. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. Allowing him to build a stronger case of defense um, doesn't sound like the, per the, the prosecution team is very, um, you know, prioritized in actually getting a prosecution charge. So. We have the J6 updates. The Department of Justice now claims that Stuart Rhodes, the leader of the Oath Keepers and a J6 attendee, wanted to use quote-unquote force and violence to take the capital from messages uh, capital from messages sent over Signal. Signal is one of those uh, kind of, uh, what is it, uh, not coded, uh, encrypted messaging apps that anybody can get from an app store. Um, he stood outside of the Capitol building while his followers stormed the building and coordinated with them for much of the day often via direct contact. More Oath Keepers, uh, more Oath, Oath Keeper arrests are likely to come in the next few weeks as prosecutors have signaled towards that move. Here are some updates on them. Thomas Caldwell, of one of the Oath Keepers charged with conspiracy, said he wanted to, quote-unquote, hang the traitors ahead of the storming, according to new documents. This past week, a judge ordered his pretrial release. Robert Menuda, the owner of a tattoo parlor vandalized last week and a security operative for Roger Stone, a head of J6, was arrested this week. He was released on bail shortly thereafter. Um, Joshua James, an oath keeper who chauffeured Roger Stone as part of his security detail, was also charged this past week. The judge elected to keep James in jail due to his PTSD, anxiety, and depression, all of which are likely to be aggravated by jail time. So the Q shaman will also remain in jail at the discretion of the state while awaiting trial. Another person identified as taking part in the J6 storming was ID'd by his workplace from which he called out sick for, for the rally. He was known for wearing Trump gear to work. The FBI released new footage of the would-be pipe bomber who strolled through D.C. late on January 5th. The attempted bomber left pipe bombs at the DNC and RNC headquarters and has still not been identified by authorities or other investigators. The Pentagon also just extended the deployment of the National Guard in D.C. for about two more months, keeping an armed presence and lockdown in the U.S. Capitol. Politicians can also use campaign funds to buy body armor and pepper spray should they fear violent groups on the campaign trail. This is definitely the signs of an extraordinarily healthy society. There's nothing to look deeper into here or that the fact that most of these militia groups in dealing with the J6 insurrection were empowered by a former president of the United States states there is no red flags no warning signs whatsoever of the kind of far-right extremism that we could bring directly into the white house and so it's time we move on we have other miscellaneous updates we have the bundy updates because Bundy is a pretty, uh, I don't know, fervent icon of the far-right movement. But Ammon Bundy, specifically, is currently on a tour of Utah spreading information about his people's rights organization to anyone who will give him an audience. I'm doing the same, but it's more of uh, anti-capitalism. Uh, this network has been described by insiders as an Uber for militias. 
<laughs> no. And has aimed its sights at mask mandates and other public health measures over the past few months. This is good because we're heading towards spring break where yet again people want to go out and do things for very, you know, fun YOLO kind of reasons. And just as we're, you know, kind of coming out of the darkest bit of it where we had hundreds of thousands of Americans getting cases uh, per day and we saw 4,000 deaths per day you know, per day as well, coming through those uh, winter months. It's it's good that we uh, just throw all of our cautionary tales to the wind and start showing our titties for some beads. It's, let's get back to normal, people. Uh, during his tour, Bundy has said he's, quote, not going to try to foster a rebellion. I'm only trying to preserve the rights which God gives us, unquote, when discussing having to wear face masks. Yeah, that's and I brought it up with the Milo Yiannopoulos story. I really hate when God is used as an excuse for people to not give a fuck about their neighbors. That's yeah, I'm more concerned about my right to not wear a mask than your right to not have this virus. So cool. GOP updates. According to new FBI documents, a Proud Boy and Trump official were in contact with one another just before the storming. That is hot. That's hot. A uh, member of the Arizona legislature, Wendy Rogers, posted this past week that she spoke at an Oath Keepers recruitment meeting. Cool, man. Wow. The Just the boldness and brazenness. Like, the, the, the only people who are really watching them are the GOP at this point. And that's, that's scary. That's scary. Um, she also affirmed not only that she supports the group, but that she claims to be a member of them. Yay! More government officials bumping shoulders with right-wing militias. Yay! Not a sign of a country in decay or late-stage capitalism. There's nothing to see or worry about here. I don't even know why I keep coming to Militia Watch updates. There's, If it's not on CNN, I probably shouldn't even be concerned with it, to be perfectly honest with you. We have further reading um that you can get from raw story one of them being on militia groups uh turning on themselves which uh, i'm gonna save that one that one sounds fun and then there's another one coming from a news cafe on police working with a militia in california and again i'm pretty sure california i don't remember what city it is but they have a sheriff's department that has uh, uh like uh, an internal gang called the executioners so not surprised by police working with militias in california not surprised of police working with militias in any state not surprised of militias members being a part of the police not surprised of militia trying to get public office because in, in, in essentially they need power you know being a militia with guns isn't necessarily enough for them to enact the change that they want to see they need power raw unadulterated fuck you power all right so moving on from that bleakness of what are my american militias up to is crowder the literally the 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 show i i hate the most out of right-wing narrative propaganda and there's so many other videos that i wanted to do but just the oh man just the amount of contempt um for social issues that are just put on display in this video is just out of this world and also like i really feel like he got on his shit like he was really excited to do this segment and he 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 brings that energy he really does so um yeah uh for the listeners the video is called rioter privilege mainstream media ignoring new george floyd riots 
And that's kind of true. They're not really putting as much attention on the protests um, or the movements as they did last year, mainly because uh, left-wing media doesn't want Biden Biden's administration to look as chaotic as Trump's administration when it comes to dealing with, um, I want to say, uh, organized movements. But uh, yeah, it's pretty unfortunate that they're very quiet on this situation and even more silent on the police tactics specifically. But Crowder really brings in this energy of fuck all them leftists. And I really couldn't ignore it. So let's let's get it. Well, this is my question for you today. How did our country get to the point where you can work your entire life? You can provide for your family. Uh, bear. I like how he said you can work for your entire life as if like work is an inherent freedom and not like a, a tool like built on like that we have to like you have to provide for your family. Otherwise, you're not going to get uh, supplies or resources for your family. It's not it's not a you can work. It's it's a lot of you have to work like millionaires and billionaires can work but they don't have to whereas if you're born into a i don't know lower income family maybe even some middle class families especially since middle class is you know kind of getting redefined by the whole wealth inequality that we've got going on right now um you usually have to work in order to have the resources that are necessary in the foundations of participating in a society mainly this one that feeds off of capitalism so it's like it's crazy to me because it just reminds me of the 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 german saying of you know work is freedom and it yeah that's no let's not begin that way early but a drug addicted violent felon george floyd jesus christ to some of course well, uh gets his family 27 million see and also too i like how when he brings up george floyd he immediately says drug addicted felon not father or uh you know citizen or you know n n no adjective or um or pronoun that would necessarily get you to like him million dollars wow. from refusing to comply with the police and overdosing on uh, uh chinese fentanyl tell me how you if tell me wow. before you see what we're talking about no justice no peace and see, like, Crowder there is doing something even more egregious is that, yes, he had fentanyl in his system, but even the guy who found it in there did, did not say that, that that was the cause of his death. So we're, we're again, using misinformation. This is, this is misinformation on the level of using it as disinformation to get the misrepresentation of George Floyd's death. The fact being that there was a man sitting on his neck for 8 minutes and 46 seconds while there were other two officers on his back. Um, he died of asphyxiation, and it came out in multiple autopsy reports. So um, Crowder's just running with the narrative of "I don't agree with reality." I don't. I don't know what that means. Like, you want a piece of the break me off a piece of that? Oh, and I also wanted to mention that the reason why the city or the state of Minnesota—I think it was Minneapolis—that had paid the family the settlement for the wrongful death—that's the state acknowledging that they killed your family member off of wrongful. It's suspicion or mishap of the the handling of the case or whatever it's the state admitting that they fucked up and it's trying to do it in the minimalist way possible as well without having to really like hold accountability for those actions of people fucking up they'd rather just take the tax dollars that everybody pays and reimburse you for the death of your family member that fentanyl uh george floyd we'll move on to this here yeah. his toxicology report 
People may not know this, but now it's been, uh, it'll be admitted as evidence, uh, revealed fatal levels of fentanyl in his system. I like how he's reporting that this is new news, too. It's not. Like, the thing about George Floyd having fentanyl in his system, that was known since June of last year. So um, this isn't new news, and he's presenting it as if it is, only to reignite it in people who have these conversations about George Floyd. And what's funny to me, too, is that they always bring up like these things that he uses drugs. He's a former felon only into justifying in his death. So really, like every time that a black person goes down or even some people that may even happen in white cases, but white cases don't usually make national news. But somebody who goes down this way, like Philando Castile, um, even uh, like Trayvon Martin, even Tamir Rice, they try to find ways that like are their actions in society that would make them look like an unproductive person or at least a degenerate so that that way when they're murdered you don't feel too much sympathy for them there's no wrongdoing in killing a degenerate you know what i'm saying so system that causes lungs to fill with fluid uh as well as methamphetamine covid and over the week in the city of minneapolis paid george floyd the family 27 million dollars in a wrongful death he didn't die of an overdose AB said that if, yeah, and they keep doing this. AB said that if Mr. Floyd had been found dead in his home or anywhere else and there were no other contributing factors, he would conclude that it was an overdose death, except the specifics of his body and the autopsies showed that he died of asphyxiation, lack of air. So it's very funny to me that like he had so much fentanyl in his system that I assume if he had made it home without any cop coming into contact with him at all, he would have died anyways. And it's like, well, we'll never know because a cop did sit on his neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Of Minneapolis paid George Floyd the family $27 million Jeez. in a wrongful death settlement. So, so remember well, kids, oh, PJ. when chasing the dragon, if it's dirty, it's not heroin, it's Chinese fentanyl. Mm. And Chinese fentanyl is deadlier. Thank you, PJ the Crap. Uh, yeah, fentanyl, I mean, some of it does come from China, but it's also um, imported from other nations. That's just, like, really anti-Chinese like Chinese to, like, say the, the, the Chinese virus and then the Chinese fentanyl. Like, we're really, and especially with, like, recently with uh, China having its largest military, or, I mean, Navy, in the, in the world and then also they're coming on the rise of the economic world stage possibly knocking america off of its power stool it's very fascinating how much the right wing is building up its anti-chinese rhetoric in preparation for the day that we actually go to cold war with china crack muppet but we gotta and more awesome. no 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 pj no. the crack get, get get rid of pj the crack muppet i don't no, want him here what, i don't what, want him we know we have kids who watch this no no get him get rid of him get rid of him get rid of him we don't want PJ. YouTube to mark this as chill, as ch child friendly. Mm. Wow! Well, Can't believe mixing crack. Poor guy. Meth. It's Not a problem. A he needs to get his life together. It cuts through though. It keeps you kind of even keeled. So fentanyl, COVID nineteen in his system. Here's just what. Before we move on to this, why aren't we being consistent? Fentanyl, methamphetamine, also yeah. THC stuff like that. Um, remember the Florida guy who died in a motorcycle crash? He yeah. was. Man who died in motorcycle crash counted as COVID-19 death in Florida report. Pino's answer was that one of the two people who was listed as a COVID death actually died in a motorcycle crash, despite health officials knowing the man died, died in a motorcycle crash. It is unclear whether or not his death was removed from the overall count in the state. So one, this being irrelevant to the, to the case is that it's in Florida. 
Two, the ineptitude of doctors reporting deaths in their hospitals does has nothing to do with like two autopsies that were reported on a wrongful death done by the state. So honestly, like this truly has nothing to do with anything except for trying to figure out, well, if we fucked up with so many other people's deaths and marked them as COVID, how did George Floyd slide under the radar? It's because he had two autopsies very tied to the case that he that is going to happen over the next few weeks that said he died of asphyxiation. At least two autopsies went down, my dude. So, like, that's that's why it didn't get marked down as a COVID death. Whereas people who died in the hospital probably didn't receive autopsies immediately, especially with overcrowded situations going on. It was a shit show with how we rolled out COVID nineteen, and that's an even more complicated, complex story that we would have to get into in another episode. That would also have to uh, incorporate Trump's response to it back when he was president so there's that's a very long different conversation that has literally nothing to do with any of this but yet he's tying it into the george floyd case and why wasn't he a COVID 19 death because he was choked to death is listed as a COVID 19 death why isn't george floyd being listed as a COVID 19 death when we say oh it's derek chauvin which again the report doesn't show that he was killed by you know some by the pressure to his neck yeah. horrible police he wasn't killed by the pressure on his neck he was killed by asphyxiation which is a lack of oxygen flowing through your body and into your brain which was also attributed to the two large individuals that were on his back at the same time as george or Derek Chauvin was on his neck. So although his esophagus was not crushed, his airflow was restricted. That's asphyxiation, Crowder, and you know it, you're just ignoring it. Police training, we know that drugs obviously would have would have uh, interfered right now with COVID-19. There would have been some comorbidities, I would yeah. imagine. Yeah. But COVID-19, and he was saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Let me ask you this. If you go to a hospital and you say, I can't breathe, I feel like I can't breathe, and then they test you positive for COVID and you die, you think they're going to list you as a COVID death? Of course. You see how, like, also that's like a non-equivocal example to use because if you go into if you go into a hospital and say i can't breathe you're coughing a bunch of course they're going to try and test you for covid19 while you're in a pandemic now let's make this hypothetical situation a little bit more accurate to the situation that happened george floyd is brought in on a stretcher saying he cannot breathe while derek chauvin is sitting on his neck and two other officers are holding down his torso and his legs let's move from there on whether or not they'll they'll hold it to a covid case in that situation they listen to a guy yeah. who crashed his motorcycle drunk off his ass as a COVID death <laughs> and a guy in Michigan who tried to blow his head off with a shotgun as a COVID death. But now with George... Again, the ineptitude of hospitals reporting COVID-19 deaths has nothing to do with the murder of George Floyd. I'd want to believe the only contributing factor was a knee on, well, on he did, neck. He did kneel on his neck for eight minutes. Oh my God. Like out of everybody in the room, Brian Callen comes in with a little bit of common sense. Well, he did have a guy on his neck for eight minutes. Good Good for you, rape allegationist Brian Callen. Fucking A. Yeah, it doesn't help. No, of course not. But Steven. Yeah, it's a terrible thing. Hold on. I, I glossed over one. something really quick. <laughs> that was smart. That was smart, Brian. Don't touch it. Just hop out of the conversation. You're just like, whoa, these waters are getting a little too racy for me. I need to. This is a different pool. I need a different pool. So, so George Floyd had COVID-19? Yes. As you said. And again, this isn't even new news either. This came out at the same time with the fentanyl report back in June of last year. And they're pretending like this is new news. This is really gross, slimy shit. But I have not heard that before. Yeah, he had COVID-19. The toxicology report says he had, shows he had COVID-19. Yeah, but if you want me to lean on, I can kneel on anybody's neck here. We'll see how well that goes for you. I That's guarantee. Look at that. Look at that. 
It says right there. The 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 descendant or the defendant the, the, the descendant was known to be positive for COVID nineteen. RNA on April third, twenty twenty. Oh my god. So he tested positive on April 3rd, died on May 25th, and we're holding that? We're holding that as he had COVID. This is good. This is good. Look, he also had caffeine. Are we going to say that it was a caffeine-related death? Are we going to say that too? Come on, guys. What the fuck? Yeah, but if you want me to lean on, I can kneel on anybody's neck here. We'll see how well that goes for you. I guarantee you kneel, but we're not going to die. So let's go. See, that's awesome. And Crowder even says, I guarantee if you knee on my neck, we're not going to die. And that's probably because they wouldn't allow anybody in the studio to sit on each other's neck for 8 minutes and 46 seconds. They also probably would show a bit more restraint than Derek Chauvin would because um, humanity might come into their into their uh, world for a little bit to realize, oh, this is fucked up. Well, unfortunately, Derek Chauvin did not show any of that emotion for the entire 8 minutes and 46 seconds. He even put his hands on his hips to even show that power move that, I look, Ma, I can choke a man with no hands. So here we have Minnesota Friday night. There was a drive-by shooting in the George Floyd Autonomous Zone. It's like Chaz, only more oh, violent. Right. So this is what happened. There was a shooting in the Autonomous Zone. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's like Chaz, but more violent. Like that's great. That's great. That's great. N like not even representing Chaz correctly, even though there was shootings and murders that happened at the at the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. And the same thing has happened now recently at the George Floyd Memorial Park. It's just or George Floyd Square. It, oh, God. All right, let's get into it. Steve, you're such an agitator. <laughs> it, it is what it is. Look, here's what happened. So this is in the Minnesota Autonomous Zone. Guy got shot. Wouldn't let the cops in. And so what happened is they carried this person who was shot. They carried him out to the hospital. The police couldn't get to him. And this person died. And I'm sure they just did a tremendous wow. job See, of I stabilizing like that victim's spine. <laughs> um, and so uh, by the time the cops arrived, the victim had been uh, brought, died. Here's a, here's a clip. I'm trying to pause it so I can get my two-piece in here, but the, the video was supersizing and got in my way. So the thing is, is that Crowder makes it sound like they carried him to the hospital, as if they actually used a bunch of people and walked him to the hospital. That is not the case. And the thing is, too, is that they didn't walk him out as the police were arriving. Uh, just like the situation happened in Chaz, is that they were actually able to get them to the hospital before the cops were even able to arrive and then be rejected their presence in a cop-free zone. That happened multiple times at Chaz. I think at least two or three times of the, the shoot, uh, two, like out of the four shootings that had happened in Seattle, they were able to transport the people who were victimized before the cops would even arrive, which is funny that you have to have cops arrive before you actually have paramedics trying to get to the situation. Because what do we need when there's already victims bleeding is that we need more cops. We need more cops. So just misrepresenting the situation that's going on here. And it's, it's gross. It's gross. And I keep, I, I feel like a sewage. The cops can't get in. Wow. Look, this is in Minnesota where they don't allow cops in that area? Yeah. Yeah. 
Apparently. Wow, that's helpful to yeah. those poor neighborhoods. Uh, yeah. Ah, who cares about the neighborhoods? Those people got something to say. I have a question. Yeah. And tell me if I'm right about this stat. See, and that's very fascinating to me, is that, like, when they're trying to establish a cop-free zone, which would then also have to implement a new form of either law enforcement or, let's say, peacekeeping um, organization, is that to have a peaceful transfer into that, especially one that isn't sanctioned by the state, incredibly difficult. And the unfortunate thing is, is that it's in the same way that the right-wing or militias show up to all of these right-wing protests, is that during these... Um, uh, like the the autonomous zones like in Chaz there were left-wing militias there like the John Brown Gun Club and they're usually there to try and protect the the protesters from right-wing agitators so it's just it's a very difficult situation especially when you're trying when the people who are that far left on the political spectrum want to create a new peacekeeping in uh, I don't even want to use enforcement because that's not necessarily the, the thing that we're going for here, but a peacekeeping organization that is more centered in having members of the community protect the community, thus be having a more investment in the safety of the community. And it not being sanctioned by the state makes it an incredibly difficult hill to get over and do right as well, because you don't have the resources that the state does in order to enact any of this change. So it's wild to me. It's very wild to me. At. Probably not. I believe in 2019 or 2020, mm -hmm. policing has gotten so good that into in, in of the oh, 10 million plus arrests, only nine unarmed black men were actually yeah. shot. Is this yeah. true? I think it was 2018. I think it was eight yeah. or nine, and then there. So I like how he brought up statistics of 2020, which are a much relevant conversation to have than uh, 2018, which for some reason Crowder takes it all the way back to, um, and it's a little bit harder to find all those statistics. We have a breakdown, let's see, indicated mental health crisis, uh, 4%, 51%, 12%. 91% uh, of victims were determined to be armed with objects ranging from toy weapons to pepper spray to tasers to guns. That's also the very difficult thing of trying to get clear-cut statistics from the police um, because, as you can see here, some of the armed was also considered toy weapons at least coming from this study from data bricks <sighs> that was from 2015 to 2020 is that 91% of police fatal or police shooting people um 91% of them were determined to be armed and that can range from toy weapons to pepper spray to tasers to guns it's just very 20 12% of incidents may have been recorded by body cams 12% of police shootings that's crazy that's crazy. Um, there's definitely more statistics to break down here, but um, even nine unarmed um, black people being shot is not something a, a nation should be necessarily proud of. And then you also have to look into those case by case basis of why somebody who is unarmed is being shot by the police. Um, and then Crowder brings up an uh, interesting statistic after that. There were 19 white people. I, I mean, there were 19 white people. 19 white people unarmed? Is that what he's saying? 10 million plus arrests, only nine unarmed black men were actually yeah. shot. Is this yeah. true? I think it was 2018. I think it was eight yeah. or nine, and then there were 19 white people. I, I mean, that's, if you... Okay, so he was correcting Brian Callen. Brian Callen didn't even have 2020 statistics. Crowder was saying, actually, that's 2020. And then he said that 19 white unarmed white men were shot, which, again, 
is that not an issue in how police handle situations now with the 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 white people being the category of well the police doesn't have a systemically racist uh bias or institution within it does it not have a violent institution in it to where we're ending with 27 total unarmed deaths Look at I'll take those odds if I'm playing the lottery. Yeah, I'll really take good. those odds, take un, those odds under too. any circumstance. If you if you had a test mm-hmm. and it was 10 million questions mm-hmm. and you only got nine or you know what fifty mm-hmm. or a hundred wrong. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's, 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 that's an A. Is that an A? It depends if, that, if yeah. But the problem is that when people get the F, these are cops and these are people's lives. Um, there's no accountability going across. So even though we have 10 million arrests and then say. Uh, what, what, what was the statistic? What was Brian going off of? Uh, 50 people unarmed being shot out of 10 million arrests. He's fine with that, but he's not even bringing up the question of whether they were justified killings and whether or not there should be accountability on those killings. He's just fine that 10, like 50 out of 10 million, that's a small enough margin of mistakes that I'm cool with. Tell that to the fucking family members. If what I'm I got wrong came a from friend. a training pamphlet. <laughs> well, that's not the problem that they point out. They point out any black person, meaning a person with a gun yeah. who happens to be black, who is aiming it at an officer firing. If that. So, I mean, I had a pretty interesting statistic that came out of this data brinks over here that has from 2015 to 2020. Um, scroll, scroll, scroll. Um, in terms of absolute numbers, more white people were fatally shot by police than any other race with 2,591 fatalities since 2015. In five years, 2,591 white people were fatally shot. In five years. And it doesn't even specify how many of those were armed and not armed unfortunately but it does say down here that 91 percent of victims were determined to be armed with objects ranging from toy weapons to pepper spray to tasers to guns why are we not then having the conversation of whether or not white culture is more violent or more predictable to make crime and that's why they're getting shot by the police why aren't we why are we not having that discussion when it comes around to that time if white people are continually being shot by the police why is there not more of a outrage or um, significance in wanting to change the outcome of how police treat suspects. And I think it mostly stems from the fact that conservatives and Republicans don't even give a fuck. They don't care about criminals. If you're a criminal, you probably deserved it. And that's exactly why when he, before he said George Floyd's name, he said drug addicted felon. So that way you can remove any humanity that you may relate to that human being so that you can further uh, move into the process of allowing police to kill people in the streets before they actually have trials. You're allowing state sanctioned judicial, extrajudicial killings. This is almost to the level of vigilantism by just allowing this, like we're reaching judge dread. The more and more we don't hold counts accountable, the more and more we don't allow the system to actually transform into something that doesn't need guns on every police officer and every response call. We're, we're moving into the, the cops can decide whether or not you're going to make it to court. That officer shoots back. This I, I'm just saying that policing pissed. has gotten better as a result of the pressures from 2015 onward. We know that. No, no, it hasn't. I even found like a really great 
graph where like since 2015 like police killings have not moved very much we do see like a little slight decrease in 2016 why is that because philando castile was killed and there was massive protests not to the size of george floyd but massive and it was nationwide what happened in 2020 to where those those amount of killings went down to near the same level as 2016 george floyd happened so police are put on watch a lot heavier after these kind of situations happen and so then killings do go down a bit but it's not by much it's really not by much no no it was always it was, it was always pretty good yeah, yeah. It was and then even with that slight little like well Brian Callen comes in and defends. Well, when the cops are put under pressure, they seem to do a better job. And Crowder goes, no, no, they've always been doing a good job. There's never been anything wrong with our policing. Besides the fact by per capita, we have more police, police killings, police killing our citizens more than any country. Maybe, maybe the Philippines. I'm not 100% sure, but we're right up there with the Philippines who just allows our cops to shoot any drug possessing drug dealer or drug user in the streets without a trial. Do we want to be equivalent to that place? Do we want to be equivalent to the Philippines? Even before 2015, it was always a lie. That's that, a thing. That's a hell of an accomplishment if it's just nine people. I'm not saying there isn't police. No, it's none of us are sad. None of us. Listen, we're all Christians sad. here, so we believe that everybody is flawed. However, yeah. you can't just see people through the lens yeah. of race and cops because then, oh, wait yeah. a second. There are uh, Christians don't just believe that people are flawed. They believe you're inherently a sinner. So let that just marinate on what they think of your character immediately. For more, there's a higher percentage of cops who are black than the actual percentage of black people in the population. Oh, what do we do there? More black people right now in the United States of America believe in at least as much of a police presence as there's, or more. Oh, I yes. wonder why. Maybe because of what you just saw in Minneapolis. I'm Correct. sure the woman yeah, who yeah. lost her son probably wasn't too fond of the fact that some white Antifa, and unfortunately, I hate to say this, but black people who go along with them because they think they're allies shielded the police from saving her son's life and the paramedics. I'm sure that black mom's not thrilled with it. The hits keep on coming. And but again, they didn't shield them from the cops. They had already taken them to the hospital, so there was no need for cops really to enter into the area unless they were going to do an investigation, which you don't need a bunch of uh, the amount of street cops that they called for that situation to do that. Um, and the thing is, is that there was a poll that put out that was put out that did show that um, people in uh, I guess African-Americans and African-American communities wanted to see the amount of police presence, if not more. And I'm not sure exactly why that is. It may be because they do see a lot of crime from day to day. But the thing is, is that when you do look at where there is the most police presence, it's already there. And it also does not decrease the amount of crime that goes on. So it that's realizing that that correlation between each other that there is already a ton of cop presence and there is no decrease in crime shows that our form of policing does not work in louisville kentucky protesters intimidated young girls going to a because this is privilege this is systemic oppression when i think oh, systemic yeah. oppression i think we need to send a gaggle of uh, uh yeah. protesters to stop girls That's from keys. going to a cheerleading you're comparing them to
And see, Crowder's framing this too as if they had gone there to specifically block the cheerleaders from going in there when in reality the situation was is that there was already protesters in the area before people started commuting into that national convention. So um, a protest is something that is put out into the public's face to dis disrupt uh, the comfort of the public's view of how things are going on. So it's just unfortunate that those cheerleaders had their convention on that day. I don't necessarily think everybody has to be victimized into agreeing with social movements but when social movements are happening i'm not going to feel bad for uh, activists who are passionate and screaming into a megaphone trying to get human rights to be understood by the greater population the geese when you say gaggle they're beautiful you're beautiful canadian gaggle <laughs> spoke to a protest organizer who stands by what happened and a parent who says children should not have been involved <laughs> Comments made as cheerleaders headed into a competition at the Kentucky International Convention Center Saturday have parents upset. So now we go. And they didn't show any examples of what they shouted at the kids. They didn't really show them like shouting at the kids or blocking them from going in. The kids unfortunately had to move through a protest to get to where they were going. And that's kind of the unfortunate side effect of a protest is that you're trying to disrupt the comfortability of the public from a situation that they either ignore or don't understand. Go to Portland, wow. where the hits keep on coming. Um, You're too and, flexible. And uh, hours after the bar you know, they had a barricade in Portland around the courthouse. Yeah. Hours after it came down. Hours. Hours, sir. After it came down, uh, Antifa and Black Lives Matter activists set the federal courthouse on fire wow. while people were inside. That's like the church in the Patriot. Here's a clip. Yeah, that's not even the best clip to show the fire either. There's a much better clip that was circulated by Andy No, a far-right activist, but or not even an activist, a far-right journalist. He's not even that. He's just a propagandist. But honestly, um, no, nobody was killed by the fire. Um, and I honestly have no sympathy for federal buildings that are set on fire, especially if they're ice. Now, me personally, I would not want to set things on fire because I'm not willing to pay for the consequences of that crime. I am a coward. I am craven in that way. But um, a building set on fire that houses uh, ICE agents, um, as long as everybody makes it okay, makes it out okay, because um, I don't like seeing the loss of life, but fuck an ICE building. Uh, fuck what ICE represents, and ICE should be abolished. Um, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I, there's not going to be any sympathy for the burning of federal buildings on this side, unless people die. And then my sympathy comes out towards those people because uh, the loss of life due to political movements is very unfortunate because we shouldn't be killing each other over politics, even though we've, you know, humanity's been killing each other over power for generations and generations and generations, nations upon nations. But at this point, something that hails itself as the bastion of democracy should really figure out how to reorganize its political powers in a safe and orderly manner. But unfortunately, a lot of our institutions do not want to be changed. They do not want to be moved. So we're, 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 we're at an impasse mostly. And so I can't denounce every bit of political political violence that happens to a building, especially as nothing continues to change. And especially as cops are the only ones who are allowed to use political violence against their own citizenry. Not to mention, of course, you remember in Los Angeles, the Molotov cocktails being thrown at the drive-thru. Yeah. 
that's a music video. And Wendy's is not healthy food, so. No, no, yeah. it isn't. No. I'm just saying. That's your problem. They with don't that? use grass-fed burgers, and in my opinion, that's. That's a they don't use the beyond meat. That's murder. I, that yeah. is murder. And you know what? Something else. If you watch a lot of these protests, you see them. That was really dumb to bring up. Um, the and I've already said in past podcasts, I'm I'm seriously like a carousel of issues, but I don't like when advertisements pander to social movements. And that was one of the worst kind that they could have done. Um, I guess like at the same time, were they giving the okay to burn down Wendy's buildings? That was a, that was a weird endorsement from Wendy's, if that was true. You see guys with tactical vests and firearms, right? And by the way, I which is funny because Crowder wears a tactical vest every once in a while to his own show. I have no problem with that. I don't have a I have a problem mainly with the burning of buildings, burning yeah. of the federal courthouse, yeah. destroying neighborhoods that harm black families so and white families alike. But I don't have a problem with someone exercising their Second Amendment right. But the argument against Cal Rittenhouse is why would someone be going down to these protests with a firearm? You know, well, look, I saw. The thing with Kyle Rittenhouse is that the Kenosha Guard was, like, for one, he traveled from Illinois to Wisconsin to do that. So why does he feel the need to protect a community that he doesn't necessarily live in? And they came up with the argument, well, he he did, uh, what was it, uh, lifeguard duty at a pool in there. So, yeah, he's super connected to that community. And then on top of it, the Kenosha Guard occupied or were protecting a... Um, a car a car auto or like a car shop that the car dealership that's what it was it was a car dealership that did not ask for their protection and it was already burned so the reason why they had gone to protect it is because it was a target of riots before and they went to go protect the remains of it and the even better part of it is is that the owner of the dealership came out and said after it was destroyed that if it, that if it leads to police reform and justice for George Floyd and Jacob Blake who those protests were for Jacob Blake say his name um then if, if if it led to justice for Jacob Blake and the reforming of the police then he would let them burn it over and over again so not only did he not want their protection for his already burned down dealership but he was okay with them destroying the shit out of it dozens of people across the country. You can Google it yourself. You can run a YouTube search if the search still allows you to find it, of them walking around with AR-15s and tactical vests. Hey, why don't we use that argument there? Why are they going down to Black Lives Matter pro Why are they going? Well, look, and I think it's actually legitimate. Hold on a second. Yeah. I don't so much have a problem with you wearing a tactical vest and carrying an AR-15 as I do with you carrying said tactical vest and AR-15 on the way to burning down the courthouse with people inside of it. That's my yeah. primary gripe. Yeah. I don't I, I would love to see the evidence of people carrying assault rifles at the Portland protests. I have not seen any of that yet. Um, there was obviously some Molotov cocktails because that's what they use to set the building on fire. But um, uh, haven't seen any rifles and Crowder actually doesn't provide any. He only equates the fact that there were that there's armed militias at the George Floyd Park Center Um which those militias and rifles are there in order to protect the community from right-wing agitators, which we know did interact with Chaz in Seattle, who also had left-wing militia gun groups there in order to protect the citizenry from uh, right-wing militia groups. So that's why, Crowder. And I didn't see... I, I would love... I Honestly, I'm open to seeing if anybody brought guns to the anti-ICE protests in Portland. Would love to see it. 
Yeah, and do you think they were complaining about the guy who was trying to actually shoot Kyle Rittenhouse, who ended up shooting him in the bicep? That guy had, a, I think, a, a gun in his hand. Do you mean the serial he, pedophile? Yeah, the, the yeah. criminal. Nice, nice, nice. See, it's the same thing. The guy who got shot by Kyle Rittenhouse, immediately Crowder says, oh, the guy who's a, who's a convicted pedophile? That guy? That guy? Immediately just turning off any empathy or compassion or humanity that you would have towards that other person, as if Kyle Rittenhouse knew at the time that he was shooting a pedophile that actually had a weapon as well yeah. that they haven't said one word about at him and he no hit him did he have skateboard. a weapon he had a gun at his hand and he was almost about to point it at and they were trying to take out rittenhouse's gun he was using it in a in a de-escalation way where it's like i have a gun you have a gun let's put our guns down but kyle rittenhouse shot him in his in his bicep and he lost that arm with the gun in it um so that's that's what ended up happening and yeah yeah oh, wow. and the guy had raped children he yeah. had literally yes. oh yeah yeah and then Crowder reinforces the idea that he raped children. Now, I don't know very much about this guy's uh, criminal history and uh, what the exact charges of his pedophilia are, but I just don't like how Crowder continually, whenever there's a victim of either right-wing violence or even state violence, in the case of George Floyd, we have to reinforce that these were criminals who were harmed, so there's not much sympathy to feel for them. One of the guys shot had raped children. Well, not convicted. Not Put his hand on his back and said not something inappropriate. Mode. Raped young He's, children. Really? Yeah. yeah. These well, are the best of that's, the best. That's what They're I call a righteous kill. <laughs> that's what you would I mean, think. That's what I call a righteous kill. Yeah, figuratively. Fi figuratively. Yeah. <clears throat> nice. Crowder Crowder saves it there with the, the legal jargon. That's a righteous kill. Figuratively. We mean it figuratively. But Kyle Rittenhouse did not know who or what that guy was before he shot him. All he did know is that he was pointing a gun at him, trying uh, either to shoot him or get him to put his gun down. Um, he had no idea of his criminal history, and yet that's what's most important right now, isn't it? Because then you can side more with Kyle Rittenhouse, who, if we're going to bring up past... Uh, uh, um, I don't know, past mistakes. Kyle Rittenhouse sucker punched a girl. She was in a fight with somebody else and he came up behind her and tried to hit her in the head from behind. So let's let's talk about that too then. If we're going to bring up everybody's dirty laundry of what they did before they went to a protest and pulled guns out. Let's talk about Kyle Rittenhouse sucker punching a girl. The other guy had just hit him over the head with a skateboard with the trucks right, right up, yeah, right up on the noggin. Just right on his head. Yeah, he so. kind of died. Yeah, he almost, he, he had sort of jumped in the air and tried to I, get his and body. You know, I kinda want and again, that's after he already shot somebody in the head. I want to crowdsource this, so everyone out there comment. Wh where do you live out there? Tell me the general uh, area of where you live. And what have you seen this last weekend? Because the riots have been picking yeah. up uh, again. Now, here's what's interesting. Again, when we're talking about cancel culture earlier, and we're talking about George Floyd, and we're talking about the double standard, the media... These riots have been going on all weekend. Yeah. Right? We just courthouse burned down with people inside. Yep. The media is still talking about the January 6th. See, courthouse burned down with people inside. And yet, why is there no statistic of who died in that fire, Crowder? Is it because it wasn't burned down while people were inside of it? Maybe that's why. Capital riot, right? That's what they still are focusing on, which lasted for... Th the Capitol riot was a pretty big event, and it kind of scars us to the level of 9-11. I think the unfortunate thing is, though, is that whatever legislation they pass in uh, in relation to J6 is going to be used against left-wing movements as well. So, you know, he can kick and scream all he wants about the the persecution of the J6 insurrectionists, but whatever laws are enacted because of that situation are going to be used against left-wing movements, and he is going to praise it when it is. Three hours. 
lasted for three hours. This is a, uh, or is this, a, there's a montage, I guess. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Oh, yeah. They're still uh, talking about the Capitol riot. Here you go. And tonight we were stunned when we learned that the Justice Department says it expects to arrest at least 100 more people in connection with the Capitol attack on January 6th. More than 300 people have already been charged. Authorities are narrowing in on two far-right extremist groups, the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys. Who have the most uh, substantial links to the former president, Donald Trump. As they investigate what happened on January 6th. They show um, for the Oath Keepers, for example, that, that fat guy's not making it up that wall. <laughs> so I find it very interesting because Crowder's show is a visual show, but it's also a radio show. And so what I find interesting here is that while this lady is explaining the connection of Oath Keepers to the insurrection riot, uh, he starts talking about a fat guy not being able to move over the wall, perfectly obscuring her words. I'm going to rewind it just a sec, just to make sure that him, him obscuring what the reporter is saying is obvious. They show um, for the Oath Keepers, for example, that, that fat guy's not making it up that wall. Um, <laughs> um, preparing for Frozen January 6th very much as if they were heading Actually to the war. Marauding through the Capitol, looking for lawmakers. The Washington Post. You see that? They talked during that whole thing about how Oath Keepers had actually organized to commit acts of violence, which I also included in the weekly update from the Gypsy Crusader. Was it him? Was it the Gypsy Crusader who had, who had done that? Let's, let's scroll up. I still got it open right here. No, I got the wrong one. It was uh, not the Gypsy Crusader. It was Thomas Caldwell, which was one of the Oath Keepers charged with conspiracy, said he wanted to, quote unquote, hang the traitors. So like a lot of this came from Signal, the group here. Another one, Stuart Rhodes of the Oath Keepers, the leader of the Oath Keepers, wanted to use, quote unquote, force and violence, which is a message that they had got from Signal. So this is why the Oath Keepers are being targeted is because they actually have full-on conspiracy going on of plotting and planning around J6. And they the talked the entire time while she explained that. Vice President Mike Pence. Bleu. So it was three hours and $30 million in damage. And by the way, horrible. Anyone who committed an act of violence. Now, the one person shot was shot by Capitol Police. And I'm not saying unjustifiably so, right? We don't have the information yet. We don't yeah. know what happened with the other five deaths because most of them seem to have happened several days later from natural causes, according yeah. to their families and their own texts. However, uh, no, no. Uh, at least one officer I can remember died the next day of the injuries that were caused upon him by the J6. There are, I think, two Capitol Police who have committed suicide, which uh, not a natural cause, Crowder. That's not a natural cause of death. Like, can you see the apologensia for when the uh, the insurrectionists go in and actually destroy the windows and doors to storm our nation's capital compared to the uh, condemnation of a Portland protest that lights a building on fire that is filled with federal agents who did not die. There was cops beaten with Blue Lives Matter flags at the insurrection, and we're apologizing for it in a way that it's not a sincere apology, but a way that makes it not as bad as we think it is. Um, something a lot of people don't know. So this happened once, right? And keep right, in mind, yeah. When they say 93% of Black Lives Matter uh, protests. It didn't happen once. There was multiple capitals that have been stormed by right-wing militia groups. It's not even just our state capital. That is probably the most renowned reported one, but there were multiple, and there was also more planned. So don't even. That's are peaceful. 
Well, first off, that's bullshit. Second, <laughs> there were hundreds yeah. of thousands of people at the Capitol, and you're talking about it. What did he that's say? Piece so this happened once, right? And keep right, in mind, yeah. when they say 93% of Black Lives Matter uh, protests are peaceful, well, first off, that's bullshit. Second. <laughs> so, like, yeah, and that came out from a study, a study that actually analyzed the protests themselves. And it's also hard to tell, too, because uh, cops can... Um, even if a protest is being peaceful, cops can call it a unlawful gathering and in the statistics will move it away from the peaceful section of a protest. So the data is a little bit harder to read than that Crowder than just saying, ah, it's just bullshit. There were hundreds yeah. of thousands of people at the Capitol and you're talking about a group of dozens of people who went rogue. And obviously people should yeah. be held accountable for their actions. But Dozens of people went rogue at the insurrectionists, but the 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 protests in Portland, that's that's a concerted effort by the entire group. There's only dozens of people in the insurrection thing, apparently. That's that's what we're going with here. Cool. They have more guards, not only more guards than at the border right now. They not only have more troops than at the border, they didn't yeah, have yeah. any troops. It's not a disaster at the border, by the way. They're sending FEMA, which is not a disaster no, organization. No, 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 no. no. They're sending uh yeah they kind of are they're they're emergency they 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 help during natural disasters and what i think is funny too is that i think it was in 2018 that trump had moved uh fema money budget from fema into building his wall whereas the biden administration to some applause for me very little is actually using him in a more humanitarian effort to try and uh clean up the situation at the border not to the standards that i would like it but uh, certainly a you know a slight improvement from the trump administration fema it's just like it's fun it's just it's just but it's funny to me that Biden administration uses the FEMA budget for exactly what it's meant for, whereas Trump literally diverts its funds to build a racist wall. Just think of it like a clown in a hazmat suit. <laughs> <laughs> so they have not only at the state capitol, it went on for three hours right. total, no other legitimate threats since then. It was something that happened spontaneously, wasn't a pre-planned molotov. Just keep downplaying the insurrection, but how how deadly are these left-wing movements? Top cocktailing. Uh, they have more troops, not only than at the border, they have more troops at the capitol than in Afghanistan and Iraq combined. National Guard inauguration deployment twice as large as troop levels in Afghanistan and Iraq combined. But that's also because of like the, the internet and what was going on on there and that they had thought that there was going to be much more like larger gatherings of right wing groups that were going to converge on uh, one uh, Biden's inauguration. And then it happened again with March 4th, where they thought where QAnon had thought that Trump was going to be uh, inaugurated as president as the real inauguration date, which obviously didn't happen. So it's, again, much more complicated than that. And there's an actual significant threat to the Democratic controlled Congress and White House right now because of the idea that these liberals are a bunch of uh, tyrannical despot dictators. So like Crowder contributes to that narrative and he's doing it more so right now. Yeah, wow. that's because right that's because liberals love guns as long as they're in the hands of the state. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And it's wonderful that Brian Callen really just opens his mouth right now to realize that like why he's there is that he's supposed to help reinforce the right wing uh, talking points and narratives because he can't do comedy anymore. He doesn't make any enough enough money because he's been canceled so hard based off of his rape allegations. So that's great. And and it's, you know military grade weapons are fine in the hands of the state. But then we need it. But then as look, long as the state's I on wanna, their side. Yes. And by the way, we have a problem with the militarization of police. Okay. Well, what do I do if I have an intruder? Uh, you don't need a you don't need twenty rounds. Call the police. Yeah. Which ones? 
the racist police whose uh, precinct we bombed. I think that we're a little murky. Uh, that's so, it's very funny to me too. Is like, why would we need militarized police to handle like home invasions? Like we didn't need a militarized police response for that for hundreds of years, for decades, for a very long time. And yet for some reason, that's the reason why we are supposed to be okay with militarized police, pretending that militarized police aren't going to be used against its own citizenry and isn't one of the biggest signs of a tyrannical government. Isn't that like exactly what they want to keep their guns from is from a government that's too corrupt and too tyrannical and also too powerful, but keep militarizing the people who are going to protect it and also take away their guns if that legislation is put through? That's so wild to defend militarization and your second amendment at the same time that is crazy yeah. on the connect confused. the dots on the yeah. back of the children's menu yeah. here yeah well and just out of curiosity i mean we've republicans or conservative groups have had several dozens of protests i'm trying to think back to the last time a conservative group got together to protest and it turned violent yeah no you can this I is can't. the thing they say look at the, this is one time one time right and these people were if he can't look at that, then he really isn't paying attention because Proud Boys would literally go out and assault journalists and assault left-wing protesters. That's been happening since 2016, if not a little bit earlier. Like Gavin McGinnis, the founder of Proud Boys, literally made it a mission statement for them to go out and punish left-wing uh, activists and the like. So there's tons of right-wing uh, associated violence to the past. And you can find assault charges to Proud Boys, to Patriot Prayer going back years. So go do that if you don't know about any right-wing protest violence. Rogue actors, you did have some yeah. Antifa people in there, but I'm not saying they were all Antifa. Believe me, I'm not going with that narrative. No, no. Every single Tea Party. Yeah, nothing. 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 As a matter of fact, they left the place cleaner the than they found stuff it. They did were the they Michigan rally, Second Amendment. Yeah, yeah. and we were there too, where we did yeah. it with it. Yep. Nothing, right? Nothing. Every major protest, Black Lives Matter, every single major city that has had a protest yeah. has had millions in damages and usually a death or two. Certainly, officer casualties or serious injuries. Every. I like how he uses like really vague statistics, really, really broad so that like it, it just fits a mold of common sense. I'm doing air quotes right now because he's not providing any evidence whatsoever. He's just saying if there's been a protest in your city, it's very likely that there's been damage. There's been death. And you should know that every single major city, 93 percent people. So let's compare the Capitol riots to with these riots. The numbers are minimum two billion dollars in damages, yeah. right? Minimum 900 officer casualties, minimum 19 lives lost over the riots. Just over the summer, we have no yeah. idea what's going to happen right now. What do you there we go. There's there's some statistics, but it's still not pointed towards any specific city or anything specifically that he's talking about. What's going to happen when they don't find this guy guilty oh of murder? which is very likely, considering the evidence at hand, what do you think is going to happen? Why do you think there's an ammo shortage? Portland Mayor Ted we That has more to deal with the COVID situation and also that people started buying more guns and more ammunition during the protests of last summer and everything that was going on back then. We, like, gun prices, bullets all shot up last year because of people, like, buying a lot of them. Wheeler just requested $2 million but to he, fund. But he almost quote, made like a conspiracy theory there by saying, why do you think it's happening? It's because they don't want you to, to, to fight back. No, it's because people literally got so scared. And that happens every time that these protests increase and that there's more uh, civil unrest is that more bullets and more guns are bought. Proactive really? policing oh. to combat the huge rise oh. in gun violence. What 
Ted Wheeler also has like a million signatures for his for his resignation. So like, what are we talking about here? His own citizens don't even want him to be mayor. Surprise. I mean, um, are we, do they really think that we're not going to see what's happening by just like when they say proact, we want some more money. We're defunding the police. Yeah. Everyone's like, well, I think that's pretty stupid. And it's very funny to me because Portland was the experiment for Trump's uh, protect American communities task force where federal troops went in unmarked vans and unmarked suits and just kidnapped protesters off the streets. And on top of that, they've been using a lot of the same tactics that they learned from those federal agents, but have been just using it on a local level. So even Portland's police has been incredibly violent in their response against their protesters. And then they go, oh, man, it looks like it was pretty stupid. I know, we need more money, but we'll just say we need it for proactive policing. Like you'd sneak it in on us like we wouldn't know that your <laughs> screw-up led to a rise in crime and now you know that you need the cops? Yeah, they're looking around going, oh, man, my policies really suck. But <laughs> not, not apologizing for any of it and saying, oh, we just decided this random spike in crime. I mean, I, we didn't know where that We need $2 million. I can't tell if they're equating the riot, like the spike in crime to a lack of police presence or if it's because the protests are happening. But in either case, it helps build their narrative. I would say that it has much more to do with the actual protests happening because that's usually where the crimes are committed and the police are getting people for crimes. And I can't honestly think of a protest that happened in Portland that has been allowed for the police to continue on. All of them have been marked with curfew orders and unlawful gatherings. So like immediately that is a crime. And so then that gets marked down in the crime statistics. It's for preemptive constipling. <laughs> I have a, I have a theory. Every time I hear, a, and I'm not talking about black people here. I'm just talking about when I, when I hear white wokers who are talking about mm. defunding the police and I've done a study. I usually just look at them. They almost, <laughs> I've done a study. I just look at them. That's my study. That's my scientific method. I just look at you always look like people that have never done any kind of a sport and never been punched in the face. And that's significant because I think you have to have some Which is really funny because Brian Callen looks like somebody who's never been punched in the face and has never played sports. <laughs> some idea of what real violence feels like. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It just it mm. just makes you a little more afraid. Yeah, I feel like it there should be an initiation realize... where they should be hit in the face with a snare drum. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> But there's also a theory that liberals tend to, like sort of the liberal mindset tends to think that when you take all restraints off a human being, they flourish. And a conservative mindset is that we're flawed people, and if you don't have some rules, people do crazy stuff. Right. We're so, very evil. You know, it depends people. on your philosophy on what the you think human nature is, is about. Let's forget about investigating. So he kind of even outlined there that liberals would think that people are inherently good and conservatives think that's a terrible route to go because people are inherently bad, which is why, why would that philosophy be a good idea, especially with a country that says innocent until proven guilty when literally their philosophy says you're already guilty and you must repent. So it's, it's, it, it's a bit of contradictory philosophy and ideology going on there. Uh, just wanted to point that out. But also the funny fact is, is that they keep saying that they want small governments to maximize individual rights, but then they're also the candidates of law and order, and we have to keep everything in line. It's awesome. It's so awesome. Not a contradictory ideology to have in your head ever. To getting these rioters, let's have preemptive constipling, and let's make sure that Black Lives Matter is uh, yet again nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. All right. And that was Crowder and me getting much louder because of it. Whew. And now I got a cold reaction video because I haven't watched it yet from Prager. The Prager U. They have, uh, did capitalism save communist China? 
more now. How did one of the world's poorest countries, China, become in thirty years one of the world's richest? There is one word answer: capitalism. Here's how it happened. In uh, capitalism did help. I would also give Mao Zedong a lot of uh, credit too for his uh, massive movement of mobilization. Now, while Mao's communism wasn't very successful, and a lot of pieces are still used in the Chinese government today, um, I'm sure capitalism did help the country compete in the global capitalist market much better. Uh, so in 1949, and let's just also acknowledge that um, I think since the 90s, uh, China has been a state capitalist uh, nation. So that's just acknowledge the that. Chinese Communist Party, aka the CCP, defeated the Nationalist Party in the brutal civil war. The leader of the CCP, Mao Zedong, promised the Chinese people that he would create a new China, a socialist paradise where the benevolent state would take care of every citizen's needs from shelter to education to and it ultimately failed due to poor central planning um i don't think it's necessarily a failure because of socialist ideas i think the central planning in itself was very neglectful of the actual needs of the citizenry employment no more greedy businessmen factories would be owned by their workers no which, which is funny because now China has billionaires. More evil landowners. The state would own all property on behalf of the people. No more hunger. Everyone could eat as much as they want at the public cafeterias. To transform China into this heaven on earth, Mao launched the radical socialist reforms. Industries were nationalized, private businesses were eliminated, and land was confiscated. But rather than turning China into a heaven on earth, these policies turned China into a hell on earth. House care was cheap, but there was a chronic shortage of doctors, hospitals, and modern medicine. No one was unemployed because the government gave each person a job. But if you didn't like the job you were assigned, well, that was just too bad. Your government assigned job was tied to your food ration. No work, no food. Speaking of food. I mean, that's how we already operate now anyways. It wasn't long after <laughs> Mao took power that the widespread food shortages began happening. My own parents had to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning to stand in long lines outside of a grocery store to get a pound of sugar or several ounces of cooking oil. Often, they got nothing. Every year was worse than the last. Between 1958 and 1962, China experienced the worst famine in human history. An estimated 45 million Chinese starved to death, victims of their own government's murderous stupidity. <laughs> Among the lives lost were my uncle, my grandaunt and her family of five, and my dad's maternal grandmother. At the time of Mao's death in 1976, more than 90% of the Chinese population lived below the poverty line, earning less than $2 a day. The only equality socialism had achieved was an equal distribution of misery. Mao's <laughs> successor, Deng Xiaoping, recognized that this couldn't go on much longer, 
The only way to save the CCP's one-party rule was to get the economy going. But how? Deng had no idea. Fortunately for him, a small group of farmers did. In 1978, these farmers, 18 of them in the village of Xiaogang, made a secret deal with their village leader. After fulfilling the government quotas, they would be allowed to keep any surplus for themselves and sell what they didn't need. Such a move was risky because it was a rejection of the CCP's socialist policies. But the result was magical. The first year after this deal went into effect, the 18 farmers produced more grain than the entire village had produced in the previous 10 years combined. The Xiaogang model began to spread to other villages. When Deng heard of it, rather than punish the farmers, he had the good sense to recognize that these simple peasants had shown him how to revive China's economy. Soon after, Deng announced the sweeping economic reforms. He opened. I mean, it doesn't really even like go into too much how like having a surplus would have benefited the the community, whether or not they were able to actually spread that surplus value around, and also too, like they would have had been able to already have the product productivity to meet the quotas and have that surplus value so it's very interesting to me that the surplus value thing is what actually led to the prosperity in the village and not necessarily what they did with that surplus value so it's it's interesting up china to the outside world inviting foreign investments and most importantly loosening the government's grip on the chinese people the results were nothing less than astonishing the freer the Chinese economy became, the wealthier the Chinese people became. So uh, essentially, the more privatized the economy became, that's, that's what they talk about with free market, is allowing more privatization to go on. In the space of three decades, 800 million Chinese people emerged out of poverty. Chinese cities now match and exceeds the greatest cities of the West, skyscraper for skyscraper. The CCP likes to pat itself on the back for China's economic miracle. However, the real credit should go to free market capitalism and 18 brave farmers who risk their lives to give it a try. But again, it's not free market capitalism that that has allowed uh, the CCP to like uplift China past its old roots. It's actually state capitalism. It's a much more focused, centralized planning between the economy and the state. So if we're going to actually give them credit, we're, we're, we're basically a, a applauding them for their... Um, it's still very restrictive in China. Like There's still a lot that you can do. Billionaires go missing if they talk negatively about the government. So there's, it's not as free as she's letting it a allowed to be, but allowing to have, I guess, surplus value um, being uh, used by the leaders of corporations or uh, businesses is just inherently good and was, was able to out uplift all of these millions. So I feel like we're really ignoring a lot of other contributing factors in order to just praise capitalism. And I'm not 100% on Chinese history because I'm not Chinese. And so there's a, there's a lot of room of me making mistakes here, but there's 
I feel like there's a lot more contributing factors than just allowing surplus value going into the pockets of the few rather than that being distributed out that has more of a contributing factor. Like there's there's too much going on to just say capitalism did it. While I'm sure having some capitalist models, especially when interacting with the global world stage market, allowing outside investors to come in also helped uplift the, uh, I guess, the revenue of the country. In recent years, China's growth has slowed precisely because the current CCP leadership has moved back to a model that asserts ever more government control. The country is becoming less free with each passing year. The CCP uses technology such as facial recognition, surveillance cameras, and control of the internet to monitor its citizens' every move. More and more, there are signs that the CCP is reverting to its Maoist past. That's bad for China and bad it. for the world. I'm Helen Rowley, author of Confucius Never Said for <laughs> Prager University. I feel like everything at the in there condemning their authoritarian aspects was to make sure that we weren't praising China too much. <laughs> But China's economy is a little bit more complicated than uh, we we had just learned from PragerU there. And I mean, now I'm at least a little bit more interested in doing more research because free market capitalism isn't a tenet of um, the CCP as far as I know. It's actually much more state capitalist. So the state has a lot more to say with the distribution of resources, not necessarily privatized profits, but resources in their central planning. So there, there's a much more complicated story going on here, but we're using the most vague and simplest explanations just to tell you that capitalism is good and that socialism failed, even though it's mostly, I feel like socialism fails a lot harder when it's competing in a global capitalist market, every nation being capitalist, on top of the fact that poor central planning can lead to um, needs not being fulfilled so there's there's a lot of issues in this video that i i can't um completely pick apart because of my own uh american ignorance but it does have me a lot more curious to understand modern chinese economics so i can give i can give prager you for giving me that spark of curiosity but i'm not gonna buy that capitalism was its sole savior because if we look at the united states capitalism is actually our decaying factor so um yeah that's been Tox News. Uh, follow me on Twitter at ToxinPod, T-O-X-N-P-O-D. Uh, catch me every Monday, Wednesday, Friday evening is usually when I get these uploaded. And um, like if you liked and dislike if you don't. Subscribe, hit the bell, um, write a review, tell me what you think. Tell me what's on your mind. I want to get inside there. I just want to be inside your mind for a little bit. And again, I pledge allegiance to liberty and justice for all. Thank you for joining me. And that's going to be it. Peace. It was an unfortunate cold reaction, mainly because I don't know enough about China's economics, but that doesn't mean I shouldn't take the opportunity to learn. my music selection at the end of the video if you want because I, I pressed the wrong button so go check out the YouTube channel if you want to see that